0: unfortunate realities of being human um, is the fact that we all experience hardship. No matter who you are, no matter what tax bracket you're in, no matter how much money or how little money you have, we all experience hardship. Hardships. Let me finish that. Um, can you go check the air conditioner and make sure that it's on 70 and it is held that? That air conditioning conditioning thermostat goes rogue and cancels it, and it gets to, like, 76 degrees in here. And so we have to constantly check. No. Oh, my gosh. It's so hot. It is so hot. You want to know what made me, reminded me of it? Is you wiping your forehead. Then I'm like, I'm really hot, too. What is it at? Is it set to 70? Oh, my gosh. I think the consensus is go down to 69. Yeah, let's do it. And hold. All right. <sighs> wow. All right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so we, look at that. Shout out to you. Good job, Madison. Um, okay, so like I said, we all experience hardships no matter where we come from, no matter how we grew up, no matter how much money, how little money we have. Like, we all experience Um, hardship. Another thing is we all experience less than ideal situations and we all experience discontentment. We all feel this like, um, let me start with hardship. Um, When we experience Hardship. We all have different ways that we handle um, those those hard times that we experience. Um, We figure out ways to cope with the pain of loss. We figure out ways to cope with um, abandonment or hurt. And most commonly, the thing that we go to to cope with those different things are tangible things that we can either see or like physically experience to ease the pain. So adults and teenagers um, may use alcohol or st- substances to dull the pain of the hurt that they may have experienced. Sometimes we turn to food to satisfy our unhappiness. Some turn to self-harm to feel pain because they feel so distant, cold, and numb. Maybe for you, it, it's binge-watching shows or endlessly scrolling Instagram to escape or deal with whatever is happening in the real life. You may turn to relationships, sex, or porn to escape your present reality. And the same is commonly valid for when you aren't content with where you are as a person. When you aren't the person that maybe you hoped you would be by the time you're a junior in high school or an eighth grader or whatever the case may be. Or maybe you feel like you aren't measuring up to where you par- your parents think you should be. You become anxious because your outward experience does not align with what you inwardly feel. You feel like you should have certain things and you don't have those certain things. You feel like what you have and the work you've put in doesn't match up. And this incongruence can cause you to respond in many ways, but it can also show itself in other ways. Our discontentment can cause us to do everything in our power to change the outside circumstances So they better line up with what we feel like on the inside. So we might go on shopping sprees, like to the mall. How many guys, by show of hands, like go to a physical mall to go shopping? Just a show of hands. Okay, so a decent amount of us. Or we go on online shopping sprees. Maybe we change the way that we look. Maybe we change the the group of people that we hang out with. Maybe we put insane amounts of time into achieving something. And maybe we work hard to prove something to someone else. And maybe what you're trying to prove is to your parents or your guardians, or maybe you're trying to prove something to yourself. And I realize that all of these are, are generalities, but they're not too far off for how we respond to discontentment and hardships. But what if there was a different way to deal with those things? Like, what if there was a different way to specifically deal with the discontentment that we feel in our lives? So we're going to look to the Bible because we are a church who believes in the Bible and believes that it's inspired and it's authoritative. So, would you stand with me as we read Philippians chapter four, verses ten through fourteen? I forgot to get a student to read this. Does anybody want to read it? Just off. The, okay, Anna, I saw it. All right. Do you want to do it next week, Levi? Your name's Levi, right? Do you want to do it next week? Sweet. All right. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 14. Okay. I can read this. Okay. (laughs) I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with, well, content, whatever the circumstances. I know what is, oh my gosh, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I could do all this through him who gives me strength, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Awesome. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Anna. So if we were to summarize these these few verses and kind of gather one, one kind of main thought, I think it'd be this. Christ gives us the strength to be content with what we have. Christ gives us the strength to be content with what we have. Um, contentment, it's kind of ironic that we're teaching about contentment in youth group. Like it's not really something that we talk about often. Like culture doesn't talk about this. We don't talk about it that often. Um, and your parents or your guardians might, might teach you this. They might teach you some principles, but the world we live in typically does not teach or practice the discipline of contentment. The message we're often bombarded with on a daily basis are, are ads for new things. How many of you guys watch YouTube. You know that little banner that pops up that you have to hit the X to exit out of the ad. We all, um, when an ad pops up, um, we cannot wait for the the skip ad button. And we're seeing in the top left-hand corner how many seconds are left on the ad, and we're looking at the skip the button, the counter on the right to see if they match up or if they're different. And if you cannot skip the ad, we loathe those like 10 seconds that we have been interrupted um, so that we can't watch our video. But the interesting thing is, is all of these ads are trying to do what? They're getting you to buy stuff. They want you to buy a car. They want you to go on vacation. I get so many VRBO ads. I get so many different things. They also give you ads to buy YouTube premium so that you don't get ads, which is also ironic. But usually these new things are, quote, better um, than your current things. Or the new item is on sale, and this is a deal that's not going to last, and there's only three in stock, and so you have to do what? You have to buy it because you don't want to miss out on that new thing. Think about how many YouTube ads you receive um, to try to get you to buy something that you you probably don't need. There's probably hundreds and hundreds of ads. Um, like I said, you have to pay monthly subscriptions in order to not see those ads um, pop up. Um, we, something else that we also love are secrets and shortcuts that will get you the same results as if you didn't take the shortcut and you didn't have the secret. We watch hacks, like quote hacks videos on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube to try to figure out, is there any way that I could shave a few milliseconds off of my morning routine? Or is there something that I can do to get the same results without putting in as much work as I need to put in? It's interesting. If you looked in verse 12, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, I've learned the secret. Everybody say secret. I've learned the secret, secret to what? Secret to being content in any and every situation. And he says, whether he was well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So the question is this, what is the secret that Paul talks about in verse 12? What is this secret that he speaks of? And I think this answer is both easy and complex. And I think the easy answer is found in verse 13. Let's read on a little bit more. I can do all of this through him who is Jesus, who gives me strength. So the easy answer to this, Paul says, the secret to living a life of contentment is through Jesus. The easy part is knowing that um, we cannot be content on our own. And it is by the power of Jesus that we are to trust in. Where it gets complicated is when we try to do that. When we try to put this into practice where, you know, we can think all we want. We can believe all we want that it's like I need to trust Jesus in order to be content. But we all know living it out is far more complicated than that. So Paul recalls when the church in Philippi helped him out. He said in verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. So, um, what he's referencing here is the Philippian church sending Epaphroditus to Paul, who was imprisoned in Rome. We can see that in about chapter 2, verse 25. Um, The church had supported him in the past um, as he planted the church in Philippi. It's recorded in Acts chapter 15 through chapter 16. Um, But here's the thing. They didn't have this opportunity um, to help him until they learned of his imprisonment in Rome, and so they sent someone to, to help him to bring funds to him and to help him while he was in prison. Um, Verse 11, he's saying, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. The dude's in prison. He's in prison because he was preaching the gospel. He says, I'm not in need. What are you talking about? I'm sure the prison food's not that good in the first century Rome. Like the Romans were good at a lot of things, but I don't think making prison food for people was one of their specialties. But he, he says this, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. Have you ever met someone who's chill with whatever? They just go with the flow. Which one? Paige. Okay. They just go with the flow. They literally do not care. They're like, do you want to go here? Yeah, sure. Well, do you want to go here? Yeah, that's fine too. It's pretty frustrating, isn't it? Like it's frustrating when people like, Please have an opinion. It's like they have an opinion, but they, it just doesn't really matter to them, and they will just go with the flow. Because it, and it's also frustrating because it seems like nothing phases them, like nothing throws them off their rocker. They're just kind of chill as a cucumber, no matter what. And they, it seems like they have this deep sense of hope, no matter the situation that's going on. Um, Paul says is kind of that person, and he says that he has learned to be content. Um, this is important because this means that um, finding contentment is not, does not come naturally to us. It's not something that's like baked in our DNA. Um, quite the opposite. We um, want more and we try to get more. But here's the thing. How do you learn how to do something? You typically learn the most valuable lessons when you experience them. So how might Paul have learned to be content? He must have been in situations out of his control and needed to trust God and trust God that he knew what he was doing. And we can actually read of these different experiences that would have required um, Paul to trust in God's sovereignty. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28. He said this, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. And the reason it was 39 lashes is because they believed that at 40 lashes, you would die. So five times he received that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Um, I spent a night and day in the open sea in one of those shipwrecks. Um, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger from the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers... I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Those are terrible combinations. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So my hope is, is that you can see in this passage that Paul had many opportunities to believe that God had turned his his back on him. But interestingly enough, that's not what took place. I'm not sure how you would have responded in each of those scenarios, but one can easily guess how maybe you would have responded or how I would have responded. I think something that we have to remember is that the presence of hardship does not mean that God is absent. This is very important. Just because there is the, the presence of hardship does not mean that God is not with you in that situation. So what if Jesus truly meant what he said to the disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Jesus just comes out and says it. Like, there are going to be hard times in your life. But he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus was teaching his disciples that they would receive the Holy Spirit when Jesus returned to heaven to be with God the Father after his death And resurrection. He warned them to be mindful of what will happen to them on this earth. He was telling them that you'll be persecuted and killed, but he reminds them that they will be filled with the Holy Spirit, that they don't have to worry because in the end, Jesus is triumphant and has defeated sin and death. So they don't have to fear uh, what may come because God is with them through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Paul believes what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Jesus reminds these listeners to not be anxious, to not to worry about what they will eat or what they will wear because the Lord will provide everything that they need. But when you hear this, I don't know about you, but as I was preparing this sermon yesterday, I I read this this verse and a, a question popped out to me or a question came up in my mind. So if we aren't to, if we're not supposed to worry about what we're going to eat, if we're not supposed to worry about what um, we're supposed to wear because God will provide what we need, this question came up, what about the people worldwide who die, die of starvation or those in our communities who don't have enough money to provide for their basic needs? Like if Jesus says that you don't need to worry about things, these things, why are there people dying because they literally don't have food? Like, if God is good, why do those things happen? Why, if God is good and if God is going to provide those things, why are there people in our communities that, why are there people in, um, like, uh, cold weather shelters? Like, why does there have to be, like, um, like food programs, like what we have at the Hub City Mission? Why do those things exist? Also, I didn't want to ask that question because I don't know the answer. <laughs> do you ever just not want to ask a question because you feel like you're the person that has to have the answers. And then you're just like, well, if I ask the question, but I don't have an answer, like, what will people think of me? So I literally almost didn't add that, but I didn't think that would be, uh, like very honoring of like our time here of like, if we can't be open and honest, like, why are we even here? But that's a whole nother topic. Um, let me get back on track. Um, Oh, here it is. What if Jesus, and this is me speculating, potentially, um, educated guess. What if what Jesus meant by this in Matthew chapter 6, that you don't need to worry about things, these things, what if he meant that if you have him, that's all that you need? Like, what if that's what Jesus meant? And what if that's because Jesus says kind of things like this throughout his teachings, and the New Testament kind of like alludes and kind of says these different things. But what if that's what he's saying? What if he's saying, all you really need is me? If your soul is secure in right relationship with God and reliant on his power, what if he's saying you don't need much else? And it raises an interesting question about our relationship with Jesus is like, do we truly believe that? Like, do we truly believe that no matter what, if we have Jesus, that's all that matters? If we remember back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, this would have been in like week one or two of this series. And he says, for, for to me, this is Paul speaking, he says, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the context of this word, verse will show us that Paul has been suffering for the gospel. He is currently imprisoned, and he has faced so many obstacles. We read some of those obstacles just a few minutes ago um, around spreading the gospel. He's saying that no matter the persecution, it is good that people are hearing about Jesus. If he lives, even if he's persecuted, it's good and he's saying as a believer our mission is to bring glory to God in everything that we do and if he dies glory will be given to God as well and he will be with his savior in heaven and it's this it's this push and pull it's i want to be here i want to be with people who need jesus but on the other side like we long for as believers we long for the day to be in heaven with jesus so maybe what paul is getting as no matter what As long as I have Jesus, I'm good. And what if our role as Christians is to be what the Philippian church was to Paul? Paul said in verse 10 that he didn't need, quote, anything from them, but he rejoiced, was blessed, and was encouraged by their generosity. What if, as a result of our contentment, we were freed up to live more generously because our focus is not on ourselves but on the needs of others? Like what would change in the world if we chose to deny some of the things for ourselves to meet the needs of others? What if we combated our coping mechanisms for discontentment and hardships by remembering that it is by God's strength that I have all that I need? So I wanna close with a big idea and then we'll go into our um, uh, small groups. The secret to being content in life's highs and lows is by trusting and relying on God's strength to get you through. So if you walked away with one thing, this is what we would want you to walk away with. The secret to being content in life's highs and lows is trusting and relying on God's strength to get you through. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next about 20 minutes in our small groups talking about this topic specifically of contentment and discontentment and hopefully further processing what this means for us on a practical level. And so we're going to go into our small groups. Um, Here's the layout of them Uh, in the back. Um, are the guys. Uh, The girls are in the front. Um, High school is on this side of the room. Uh, Middle school is on this side of the room. And um, your small group leader will dismiss you.